Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? We're here. It's a very, very special day. Welcome to the official preview episode for Guilds of Ravnica for the Masters of Modern podcast. This is... uh. The Master Modern YouTube channel. Uh, it's a new thing we're doing. Uh, there's a bunch of video content here. You can see it's everywhere. If you go look at this thing, there'll be next video. Check out the channel. Please subscribe. Uh, we're going to be doing video content. We do it twice a week. We live stream here every Tuesday uh, slash Monday, and then we release the episode fully every Thursday night. Um, and then we'll do it. We're doing live streams here. We're going to do there's gameplay. A cool there's a stuff. lot of stuff coming. So make sure to subscribe. And this is our preview card episode. You can see we've previewed cards before. These are some of our preview cards. We have uh, printed some of them out on giant, giant paper. Or what, card, cardboard? Stalker? What's it called? It's a uh, foam court. And we have today's card also printed out as a giant foam card. A big, blank, white card. We're going to yeah. write Sharpie on it and just decide what we want it to be. That's actually the card. Wizards, <laughs> uh, the new mechanic for Guilds of Ravnica is blank cards that you get just to decide. Yeah, curveball. They're all cryptic command. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, guys, we're here. It's a really exciting day. Obviously, huge thanks to Wizards for uh, providing these cards to us. This is just a supportive decision they make uh, to help content creators in the community. Obviously, uh, no funds, anything were given to any of us who do this. It's just 100% us supporting for, Wizards for and them supporting us, which we're really excited about. We have an awesome, awesome card today. This is probably, I don't know, we've previewed like six cards. I would say I was as More excited. That, like six Six like brand new cards. expansion yeah, cards. Yeah. I think I was as excited for this one as I was for any of them. Like, I think my favorite we've ever previewed has been Claim to Fame. Yeah. And then Fatal Push is the most powerful. But I uh, equal level of excitement reading this card as those for me. Okay. So okay. I'm hyping it. I'm overhyping it. I mean, bit. Whispers of Emrakul will always have that space in my heart since it was the first preview it was, card. And it's delirium. And then, like, Cass obviously is the best card ever printed in Magic. Well, Cass is also just, like, a ludicrously powerful card. Yeah. <laughs> that card's so good. She is. <laughs> She's the best. Uh, uh, so... Moving on to uh, uh, one thing is, uh, before we get into the card, what guild are you? I would always have said that I'm Is It. Okay. I, I think it feels like if they print an Is It card and it's awesome, it gets me the most excited. And okay. it also feels like it's it's burn, it's counter spells, it's like low CMC, it's instant speed. Like, that feels like my style of play, Yeah, you're right? like a crazy inventor who likes decks that are yeah. just like doing wacky things. I can see that. My uh, life is an epic experiment. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to have an affinity. I'm, I'm an Azorius person, as we probably all know. You said that with such pretentiousness. Uh, just I did. I don't know if I did. Just the way that an Azorius player would say it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't, are Azorius pretentious? I feel like the Selesnia are pretentious. Speaking of no, Selesnia, Azorius is all about order and. Is that pretentiousness? I feel like that's more like they're just like bureaucrats. You would think that, wouldn't you? Yeah, you ruined my segue because <laughs> this card is it has the time honored tradition. Making sure we don't reveal too much of the card. There we go. Uh, of being. A three-drop Selesnya card. This is in the the honor of Kitchen Finks, in honor of... Loxodon Smiter and... Uh, Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a better card than Loxodon Smiter. <laughs> Smiter was sweet. Smiter's been a... It's uh, sweet. Yeah, uh, I love that card. Uh, so... Knight of Autumn. Knight, Knight, Knight Dryad. Yeah. Three-drop. Uh, it's, it's riding her Kelp Steed. Mm, nothing like a good Kelp Steed. Who doesn't like a Kelp Steed? Yeah, seriously. Uh, you got to watch. It goes in the water. I don't think she rides in the water. It might be more of like a Rosebush Steed. I ate one of those at Nobu last week. Nice. No. <laughs> Not really. Uh, and yeah, so that's the beginning of it. And then we get into... Whoa, look at that. It's a modal card. Oh, you get to choose some options. So when it comes into play, the first ability is you get to choose one. 
That's the first ability. <laughs> put the first ability is put two plus one plus one counters on Knight of Autumn. So worst case scenario, it, well, it's a it's better than a two two. Yeah, <laughs> you this don't card know how tough this is yet. Is a four three. Oh, you, well, you can away. see the two one down here. Oh, it's over there. Yeah, cool. you can see the two one. Okay. So it's a two, two one. one. <laughs> uh, so worst case scenario, three mana four three. Yeah, pretty 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 great on curve. In the decks that play this, most of the time you have mana creatures, so it's probably a turn two four three. Yeah, most of the time. Sometimes attacks is a five four if you got a noble Iraq in there. All right. Second ability. Bit. Here you go. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. So this has reclamation sage written all yeah, over it's, it. It's Worst case scenario, you have a 4-3. Best case scenario, you have a Reclamation Sage at this point. Yeah. It seems pretty good. And last ability, whoosh, gain four life. It does a Kitchen Fink's Impression. Ah. Uh, That's a lot of really good cards all on one card. Okay, if Kitchen Fink's on the scale of three-drop creatures is like a like a 9.6 or something, it's like pretty high. I mean, it's of all really, time? Yeah, it's got to be in the... Uh, it's uh, over a nine for sure. Yeah. If ten, if the ten is the most perfect creature ever printed. If it didn't go infinite, it would be probably an eight. But yeah. because it has the infinity combo, it's a nine. It's like near perfect. Yeah. Just first glance, looking at this card, power level. Where do you put it? If Kitchen Things is like a nine point five, uh, I'd probably put this at an eight. Okay. But being conservative, with ever, this, without this ever be, having played it, without ever having played it, I, it could be way better than that. I mean. It does a Siege Rhino kind of uh, uh, fake move where it can either gain you life or be a big beater. So it's really good in those decks. It's a removal spell. It's basically a command. I yeah. mean, the, it's a command where no matter what you're doing, you're getting a 2-1. Yeah. And then you get to destroy an artifact. You get to destroy an enchantment. You get to gain some life. Or worst case scenario, it's a 4-3 instead of a 2-1. So yeah. like, I think that is just as a card in itself would see a ton of play. Uh, I was comparing this to Colgan's command earlier where like Colgan's, Colgan's command buys you back a creature. Hmm. This is is just a creature. You don't even have to spend the extra man on it. Uh, it does damage because it attacks. Um, it gains you life, which Colgan's command doesn't do. <laughs> and it just, you know, it kills an artifact, an enchantment. So, like, it, it's very similar, I feel like, in that same space. This can also come off of a collecting company. Um, and I think there's just a lot of decks that this becomes an immediate tool piece to, that they use. At a worst-case scenario, as a one-of in the main deck or sideboard, yeah. just because it's a versatile removal spell that does a lot of things you want to do. But I think it has a much higher cap than that. Yeah, I mean, the card is incredibly powerful. I think your, your estimation of it being an 8, I think, is probably pretty correct. I think I would maybe go a little higher than that right off the bat, only sure. because I believe that in the green-white decks, and there are a lot right now in modern, you have green-white value town, you have Bant Nightfall, you have Bant Company, you have Counters Company. Hate Bears. Yeah, Hate Bears. Even I mean, stuff like Eldritch Evolution decks, and yeah. like, yeah, there's a lot of different, even elves like could play this. I don't think they played over Rexage because it's not an elf, but like, the there's four, a lot of different places this can go. The four-color Cobra Sahili decks that Jeff Hoogland plays a lot, this, yeah. is, this is a one-of in that deck right off the bat. Oh, like, yeah, because no question. it's you just, got counters on it. it yeah, it's like a, Eldritch it, like, Evolution. It Six five. Which one are you talking about? The 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 constrictor decks. No 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 not not uh, 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 the this this is the Sahili combo decks that play all the oh, evolution oh, 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 and like oh. and cord. Sure, They're sure, like sure. they play like a bunch of um, voice of resurgences and stuff. Got it. Basically, but they have a bunch of one ofs for their evolutions. Got it. And this is a hundred percent a card that would go in that deck. Oh yeah. Um, but I I, mean, at worst, at worst, this is a uh, what's the black white guy that gives minus one minus one doll creatures and highs haunt pontiff pontiff. This Orza feels pontiff. like at a worst case scenario, it's pontiff power level, and I think it's way, way, way more powerful well, than that. Because what I think is going to happen is this card is going to like when when they printed militia bugler, it was like, oh, how good is this going to be in humans? Flash forward a week, and it was a three of in every single humans right, deck. Right. I think you're going to literally see this deck go in every single green white deck as a one of with two more in the sideboard. And then people are going to start to realize that you never don't want to draw it, and it's going to become a two of or a three of in mains. Yeah. 
Um, I think this is going to be a format-defining card for probably its own standard environment, too. Feels, But here's the thing well, this is, is, do we think it's part of a cycle? Yeah, so we, we are recording this ahead of time because uh, I'm going out of town uh, for reasons. And so we we don't know what else is in the set. We don't know if Wizards has at this moment announced it. This will be a button to a full episode that Ben will probably talk about these things. Uh, but it's possible that this is a... A cycle of cards and if every guild has their own like when this enters the battlefield you get to choose three things creature like basically charm creatures um and that would be amazing and like there's a lot of cool stuff we were talking about what an is it one could be well so yeah all right if you're if you're azorius and i'm is it design your azorius card what's it cost what, what, what's your what's your card uh my guess is it's a ooh. your ideal card i know mine if you want to take a second on yeah yours. you go you go you are i we built yours together yeah. <laughs> you go first so i basically <laughs> am obsessed with one of the creatures in this cycle if it is a cycle costing exactly its mana so like blue red i want a blue red one one and i want the three abilities to be like gut shot would be one of the abilities draw a card would be one of the abilities and maybe like i like if you're drawing a card you're not going to loot so you're already dealing damage uh, I don't know. What's another blue-red thing? Like a creature becomes a zero-one or something? Well, no, I think all of them have plus-one, plus-one counters. Oh, I yeah, yeah, okay. It, so it'll be like a zero-one that when it enters play becomes a two-three. Okay, three. so then it can become a two-three. That right. seems like fair. Two. Like if blue-red made a two-three at rare. I even... Because blue-red wouldn't want to be able to have a three-two. Or, sorry, sorry, yeah, three-three for two. That's not a blue-red ability. Correct. Yeah, that's a green-white. Okay, that's that's my card. I do think, actually, there's some interesting design space, too. Like, remember Force of Savagery from... Uh, from uh, Future Sight is the yeah. eight, the eight zero creature. Like, what if this? What if the the blue red one was like a goblin wizard, and it was like a two zero or like a like a one zero or something right. like that? So that with two counters, it would come in as like a three two for two. Sick. Yeah. So um, I think you know this, there's a lot of cool stuff this card does. I mean, if I was Azorius, I'd probably have it bounce. I'd probably have it. I mean, if Detain is coming back, which we don't know about, it could Detain something. Um, I also think just like drawing a card is always really good in these kind of decks yep. and I'm going to steal yours or even blinking a thing like blink another creature Mine, my, my, my card draw would probably be ones. loot yours would probably be draw a card because yeah. blue red's loot and, and blue white would just draw your card yeah I just wouldn't want it to be too similar to necessarily what the is it charm was so well, that's like the difference right? Azorius charm yeah, draws yeah. a card is it charm double loot so it's yeah, like yeah you yeah. don't want to just copy the abilities um, so yeah so we'll, 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 I'm excited to see what they come out with um, I'm excited what other stuff in this set the set looks really like uh, this is the only card we've seen well other than the convoke yeah. uh, preview card for the like buy a box promo the but 16, like this 16. set looks awesome i'm super excited yeah uh, and yeah so guys before we get out of here today there is one thing that is incredibly important that we want to implore you to do and that is we have a game called battle bosses uh it is made by kesco alex is and my company i guess it's his company yeah. but I, i'm part of the company uh and this it's is an the incredible last day game. the last two days of the kickstarter are today and tomorrow so definitely go check it out uh we can't we're doing a big push for a final push we're just trying to get past that finish line with your help we can make it happen it's a really good game it's like king of tokyo meets league of legends meets magic meets all these things so we really appreciate any help you can kind of give us on that end and yeah definitely check out uh guilds of ravnica it's going to be an awesome set we're super excited yeah guys thanks so much for listening thanks for watching we will see you guys same time same place next week Woo! Bye, everybody. Bye. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I am your host, Ben Bateman, filling in in this lead host seat for Alex Kessler. Once again, we're here to talk about modern. I'm joined today by Mr. Michael Grothy. Hello. It's a golf clap. Michael's back. Uh, Michael, as I mentioned in the live stream, is uh, a game designer. He's a modern player. He is a host. He is a producer. He does it all. He really does it all. He's a beta draft player. Yeah. He was in the beta draft at Gen Con. He won. Stayed up all night. I didn't. I got close. He got there. <laughs> Exciting. 
what have you done with your beta cards, by the way? Uh, well, I sold the commons and the lands uh, at GPLA and got a Candelabra of Tanos, which is a card that That's I had cool. been eyeballing that is old and expensive. I figured I could keep my cards old and expensive by trading some old and expensive cards for a different old and expensive card. What kind of value were dealers giving you for commons, for even like crappy commons? Uh, so I went to a dealer whose name I don't remember. I think they might have been Time Vault, but they okay. they do a lot of old school uh, business. So they actually cared. So I got like twelve bucks for Drain Life. I got like ten bucks for Iron Claw Orcs. Just like random commons, where like, what am I going to do with a beta Iron Claw Orcs? Interesting, yeah. Uh, but all my rare cards, uh, the rares that I got, as well as cards like Lightning Bolt and Basalt Monolith, I have saved, and I've been meaning to get them graded, and I've just been procrastinating. I'm probably going to send in a bunch of stuff, beta stuff, to get graded. So maybe we should just pool together our cards for grading. We'll talk about it after the show. Yeah, because I think it's expensive to grade cards. It's not that expensive. Okay, gotcha. I mean, we can talk about doing it together with Craig. I've, I've been looking into it in the time between Gen Con and now. Um, yeah. But I've, I haven't gotten around to it. Cool. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So this is the Masters of Modern Podcast. We talk about modern here. We are coming to you in sort of a strange time travel situation with this episode today because if you're watching this as part of the YouTube podcast or the actual audio podcast, you have just heard us preview our brand new card, a card which we have a giant printed out version of sitting just off to the right here, the size of these cards. But because this is the live stream and we've already talked about the card with Alex here, we're not going to actually specifically reference what the card is. That card is going to come to you in that 10 to 15 minute version preview part of the episode that plays at the top of this. We are going to talk about the rest of the preview cards and probably loosely, tongue-in-cheekly reference this other card. It's dangerous that it's sitting here because I keep wanting to say the name when I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't say the name. No, definitely not. So... Um, but the card is sweet. I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, it's a modern playable card. It's going to have an impact. Uh, and there's other cards like that uh, Assassin's Trophy that everybody keeps talking about. We're going to be talking fully about Assassin's Trophy today. It's impact on modern. Uh, some of the other preview cards. I definitely think the set looks really sweet. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, there's good stuff. There's a lot of like unusual stuff that is like... Is this playable? Like, there's the uh, Secrets of the Mausoleum, I think, is that instant speed black card where you search your library for a black card and put it in your hand, and it has to have CMC less than or equal to the number of creatures in your graveyard. Oh, interesting. I haven't seen this one yet. Oh, yeah. It got spoiled in Italian, I think. But oh. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's two mana instant. Uh, and then, yeah, you search for a black card, put it in your hand with CMC less than or equal to the number of creatures in your graveyard. So, so you have to have... Oh, go ahead. You have to be playing it in a creature deck. It's not like, you know, you're just... It's not like Demonic Tutor where you're just tutoring for Ad Nauseam or whatever. Like, you have to be playing it in sort of like a Dredge deck or like a um, Death Shadow deck where you have... You can, you know, use to search for a Death Shadow or something. Or a Shadowborn Apostle deck. Or a Shadowborn Apostle deck. Sick. Use it to search for your Thrumming Stone. <laughs> or, or no, Thrumming Stone's not black. But you can search for uh, Immortal Servitude. Yeah, you need to search for a black card, but... Uh... Or you could search for, like, I don't know, like, conspiracy, and you could make it some sort of weird tribal thing. I don't know. This seems sweet. That seems really sweet. <laughs> uh, I have some really sweet stuff, by the way, guys, that I've been thinking about because I have been trying to come up with ideas to include this new card, uh, the card that we talked about at the top of the show. And so I have five brews in my phone that are all horrible. They're so bad. This card is really good, but the brews I've been coming up with are awful. Um, but uh, but I will say that tomorrow at one, yes, this is exactly right. Says CJ, that is when the card officially goes out. Uh, but we we have you know Assassin's Trophy to talk about, and among other cards. In the meantime, before we get fully to it, a couple things I want to do. One of them is uh, Gage. Were you able to establish how many people 
we were randomly selecting from for this pack giveaway? Twenty-seven people were entered to win in the live stream. We do this Wizardry Foundry pack war. This is filled with a hundred random packs, uh, and on the live stream, that's not going to be part of the main show. We uh, we pack ward. I won, which means rather than the Patreon, the live stream people get it. So one through twenty-seven, that number is. It's number thirteen. Who's number thirteen? The thirteenth person on the list is going to be the winner. This is announced right now. We're giving away this stack Ooh. of cards. These all these cards that we opened up on the show. Lucky thirteen. Lucky 13. Gets to win the Yargle. Gets to win the Yargle. 13? Yeah. Roger Guzman. Roger Guzman. Congratulations, man. Congratulations, Roger Guzman. Uh, please send your information as a DM to the Masters of Modern Twitter or the Facebook uh, or, or me or Alex or someone. Uh, just find a way to get in touch with us and uh, send your information. We will get this stuff shipped out to you pronto. Congratulations, Roger. Thanks for being a part of that live stream. So... Other things that we want to point out, the other half of that deal is if you're part of patreon.com slash the MMCast, that is the Patreon for the Masters of Modern. It's how you guys can help us continue to expand to the show. If you'll notice, we now have a camera set up. We're on YouTube. We're expanding to multiple new shows. That's why we need your help, guys. The, the Patreon's literally the way we do it. We have some big opportunities coming up in the future, and we need to keep expanding to keep up with those opportunities. So please help us out there, patreon.com slash the MMCast. Um, so that's the, the first big, big shout out. Let's... Uh, Let's talk about spoilers. So we alluded to it a little bit, Assassin's Trophy. That's the big one. That's the one everyone's talking about right now. Um, we talked about it on the, pre, on the pre-show a bit, but, you know, I think everybody's kind of cu- trying to come up with decks to put this in right now. I've seen people talk about Sultai decks. I've seen people talk about this in Jund. I've seen people talk about this in Abzan. Um, Straight black-green, I've seen. Yeah, it's a powerful card. I mean, it's, so Assassin's Trophy is black-green, destroy target, non-land permanent. Or, sorry, uh, destroy target permanent. Permanent. Instant speed, black-green, its controller searches their library for a basic land card, puts it into play untapped. There's no other restrictions. It's like Path to Exile meets Abrupt Decay. It's got some Vindicate flavor to it. I literally had a discussion with Gavin Verhey six weeks ago about Vindicate in Modern. Oh, and he knew. And I, he just had to, he yeah, had to keep it in. <laughs> I literally was like, could they print Vindicate in Modern? He's like, well, I think you've seen cards like Anguished Unmaking. He's like, you know, some sort of drawback, something or other. They could probably come up with some way to do something, but I don't know. I, yeah, great poker face that guy has. I had no idea. He knew this was in the can. I feel like as a, as a, you know, a person in Wizards R&D who has a public face, poker face is like the first lesson you have to learn because you're always going to be getting questions like this. <laughs> he like fully, he like didn't even really acknowledge the question. He just was like, oh, I think Vindicate's fine. Yeah, sure, we could probably reprint Vindicate. Like, <laughs> this card was coming in the pipeline. Uh, so let's talk about what this card's best utility in modern is. Um, what is this card? What purpose do you think this card serves right off the bat? Well, so the black green decks, the difference between this and Abrupt Decay or Terminate or something like that is, is one, the flexibility, but two, that it can destroy a land. I mean, like black green decks, big weakness in modern tends to be like control decks and even more so Tron. Um, and this allows you to keep Tron off of their Tron lands using a card that you're happy to main deck four of against Burn. I mean, like, a card that you're happy to see, well, it's not super great against Burn, but it's playable. I mean, it's just as playable as a Terminate would be against Burn or something like that. So it's like a card that does work against everybody else as like a Path to Exile, but then against Tron, you're able to to kill their lands with a main deck card. I think that's really valuable. It, it, it makes your, your game against them a lot better, especially your game one. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, land destruction, 
It's not really a land destruction card. It is and it isn't, right? It's a land destruction card in the sense that it gets rid of problematic lands. It's not a land destruction card in the sense that if you maneuver a boom bust correctly or you play uh, you know the 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 Ponza decks. You get a head well, sure. on. Sure, I mean a lot of the a lot of the black green decks you'll see in like Tron heavy metagames. People will play straight black green, and they used to play Ghost Quarter. Now they'll play Field of Ruin. But you don't need to do that. I mean, if you really hate Tron, you can just play four Field of Ruin, four Assassin's Trophy. But but um, but you know now the Jun decks have access to that Field of Ruin or some type of land destruction spell that doesn't really destroy a land, but it keeps them off of Tron. You're able to just do that with a main deck card that that is cheaper than Field of Ruin even and doesn't take up a land drop the way Ghost Quarter does. I read an article yesterday on Star City Games talking about Sultai as a deck and the possibility of playing Sultai and why it's been so hard and why it hasn't been good in Modern for the longest time. And basically the contention was that Snapcaster Mage uh, mixed with Delve Cards mixed with Liliana, there was sort of a... They butt heads a little bit in terms of what they want to be doing. Um, Obviously... You know, Liliana wants to be emptying hands, wants to be creating it so that it's a it's a top deck resource game. Whereas Snapcaster Mage, you want to be holding in your hand. Like, like it's they don't exactly play together super well, um, which is why you haven't seen that many Liliana Snapcaster decks. Um, but that this new this new card makes Snapcaster Mage and and sort of the idea of these things all combined very very powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that it's always a reasonable target for Snapcaster. Uh, I mean, unless your opponent has nothing, in which case you're you're doing fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, snapping a snapping an Assassin's Trophy. Like, if you play four Assassin's Trophies in a game, in like a long game, I have a hard time imagining you losing. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be out of basics too. Yeah, in modern. Well, I've I mean that's something I've thought about for the longest time, and you guys know that I build a lot of like three and four and five color decks, and so I'm always just like trying to max out the. And, like, I play, like, maybe two basics in all my decks that I play. If that, sometimes just zero. I'm just like, ah, why not? We'll just, you know. And, like, this card would wreck me so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think that this this card is affecting the amount of basics people are playing a little bit less because of Field of Ruin. I mean, with the printing of Field of Ruin, everybody is has to play more basics because against a deck like Blue White, where they're drawing a ton of cards, a lot of times they'll just draw like three Field of Ruins against you. And if you don't have the three basics plus any basics that you drew, then they're just strip mining you and you're falling way behind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... This isn't pr- like particularly a land destruction card, as I mentioned. It's more, it's, it's far well, more it, of a. It's a card that makes people want to play more basics in yeah, their deck to I make agree. sure that you can search. You can get because if this is just two mana instant speed vindicate because you have no basics in your deck, it's like insane, totally unreasonable, totally unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, but I do think so. Something something that's really fascinating about modern and one of the reasons that I think you could play well. I'll just say one of the things that is so fascinating about modern is that. The curve on the decks is so low for the most part. Most of the decks are so proactive that if you play a land and you do something, you're creating usually some sort of advantage that's going to put you ahead whether or not you hit your next land drop or your opponent finds a way to blow up your land. Like, for instance, if your opponent is using their resources to take out your lands, you have probably done something the turn you've played your land to put yourself ahead because modern is not like a... It's not a format where you're waiting until turn three or turn four to do your first good thing. You're usually yeah. doing good things on turns one and two. Yeah. And so, like, let's just pretend that you were playing a de- like devoted aggressive land destruction deck against like humans. I don't know. They've got Aether Vial. They've got tons of one and two drops that are good. Well, Assassin's Trophy does kill Aether Vial, which is nice. Yeah. True. True. That that's the thing about but it. Speeds them up. If it yes, it blows up Aether Vial, but it puts them a turn ahead on land, so it's like not that good. Of yeah, a trade it's not for you. really destroying Aether Vial. Yeah. Because Aether Vial is effectively letting them cheat on mana 
but if you're giving them a land, they get to cheat on mana anyway. It's like it's like when people are playing Path to Exile and Thalia in the same deck, where like, yes, Thalia is great, but as soon as you Path to Exile one time, that land that you gave them is just paying for Thalia every turn. Well, yeah, I mean, so again, like, and, and by the same standard, I don't know if you remember this, but at one point, um, some of you guys probably don't remember this card, Lanessa's Ephemage. I tried building a deck with this at one point. I had a whole, I bought four foil Lanessas, and they've all gone up in price, by the way. <laughs> Future side foils, who knew? Um, and this this card, Lanessa, is a one of these weird grandeur legends from Future Side. It's like blue and three for a three three creature. Uh, her actual ability is blue blue X tap return target creature card with converted mana cost X to its owner's hand. But her grandeur ability means if you have her in play, you may discard another card called Lanessa's Ephemage. Target opponent bounces a creature, a land, an enchantment, uh, maybe an artifact. Bounces like three or four permanents. Do you get to choose the permanence, or do they choose? They choose. Got it. They choose. But it's like, you know, in terms of tempo, if you can actually get going with it, it's like super, super good. Um, and so I built this around like a boomerang. I have nowhere. Snapcaster Mage, Crypt Command type deck. Very like super, super tempo We just try to keep their lands off the table. And what I found was, in the games I played, unless I was so far ahead early and just kept the pressure on, people can play one and two drops that create advantage enough in modern that it doesn't really matter if they can only keep one or two lands on the table. If you're not creating a clock as well as blowing up their lands or bouncing the lands, you won't win. Yeah. And that's like, that's, that's a testament to how aggressive and proactive modern is as a format. If I was able to do that same thing in standard, I'd probably win the game. Like it, it's hard to imagine a format that's not doing its best thing until turn three could get out of that. Like boomerang lock. Um, Modern just doesn't care. It's, yeah, I mean, pretty much every deck can operate off of one or two mana, or at least do something to to outcard you or put pressure right. on the table that's killing you while you're just playing boomerangs that do nothing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not to say that my strategy was good by any means, but it was an interesting lesson to learn. Like, it, it was a testament to the speed of modern. So, um, anyway, Assassin's Trophy definitely has a lot of applications. I think people will be building it, all kinds of different decks. Um, we will see how it affects Tron's dominance. I think that's one of the big decks that will hurt from it. Yeah, totally. Well, especially because, well, it's just the black-green decks were kind of pushed out of the metagame by the control decks and the Tron decks, and there being kind of better versions of black-green that are coming out, like Mardu Pyromancer or Grixis Death Shadow. Right. But, um, you know, this is a strong reason to be playing black-green, and it also shores up some of their bad matchups like Tron. So let's talk about some of the other cards that have been so far previewed. There's a bunch, and we're not going to get into the full spoiler because when Alex gets back, we'll do you know our actual full spoiler episode. But there's a couple cards specifically in Modern that I think are, are really interesting. One of them is this new four drop in green. You know what I'm talking about? We tweeted about it. Alex it tweeted the, about it yesterday. Is it the Glimpse of Nature guy? <laughs> it's the Nullhide Ferox. Oh, 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 sure. <laughs> okay, okay. What a strangely designed card this is. This is green, green, two for a 6-6... Six, six Hexproof Beast. You can't cast non-creature spells. Two mana, Nullhide Ferox loses all abilities until end of turn. Any player may play this, may activate this ability. And then it has the uh, the old uh, Smiter ability. You know, yeah. if, if, if it gets discarded by an ability opponent controls, you put it onto the battlefield instead of the graveyard. What, what do you make of this card? It is interesting. I mean, it doesn't really have Hexproof because your opponent can pay two mana to make it lose its abilities so then they can target it. Right. And you can't play non-creature spells. I feel like in a deck that would be interested in a four mana six six wouldn't be playing a ton of non-creature spells probably anyway. But I mean, there there are times when like Liliana or Burning Inquiry or cards like that are really popular. You'll always see like Obstinate Baloth show up in sideboards, and 
you know, mainly because that's the mono green one, so any green deck can play it. And these two cards, or uh, the other two cards that have this ability in modern that I've seen people play are like Locks It On Smiter and Wilt Leaf Leech, which are green-white, so you only really see them in green-white decks. But they do get played from time to time, particularly when people are playing more, you know, discard like discard where you get to choose what you're discarding and this card i think could take the place of an obstinate bailoth in some of those matches i mean a lot of the time when you're playing against a deck that has liana the veil and you're discarding a card from your hand of your choice you discard obstinate bailoth you get your four four and you gain four life but the four life isn't super relevant because the decks that are playing liana the veil are trying to grind you out so you're just getting this four four basically for free which is a great deal and it attacks liana and kills her a lot of the time right but wouldn't you rather have a six six that it takes yeah. their entire turn to kill it because yeah. they have to pay two and then they have to pay, you know, two more to play their Terminator or whatever. Oh, there's no doubt. I, I mean, the life difference is a thing, but I think this card is better than Obstinate Bailoth in terms of what you're trying to do yeah, with it. Yeah, Obstinate Bailoth as a sideboard card has a little bit of flexibility in that it's good against decks like Burn where, like, your life total does matter. So you can board it in against Liliana's or you can board it in against Burn and it kind of does that double duty. But if you're just looking to, you know... They're putting hollow ones into play on turn one with their burning inquiry, and you're like, or goblin lore, and you're like, well, here's this. It's bigger, and it it doesn't trade with hollow one the way Obstinate Bailoth does. It just straight up kills it. And they don't have, I mean, at what point are they going to be able to like pay two and then lightning axe it? Like, (laughs) oh snap. I just, I see a card that I, it's a sideways card. So I'm going to just turn my computer sideways to read it here. Got it. Well, I guess Lightning Axe doesn't (laughs) even kill it. I mean, Hollow One doesn't have a clean answer for it if you're boarding this in against like Burning Inquiry Goblin Lore. And if you're boarding it in against Liliana the Veil, they'll have answers, but they have to spend their entire turn to get rid of it because they have to pay two and then they have to play whatever spell is going to kill it, which it's a little bit resilient to Fatal Push. It's obviously resilient to Burn because it's a 6 6. So it has to be like Terminate or Assassin's Trophy or something. Have I explained to you just just the, the sheer amount that I love is it as a as a color combo? It's I know people on the show. I've noticed by looking at your decks, but <laughs> I, like it's ridiculous. I'm looking at I'm looking at this card here, guys. Expansion explosion is another rare. And I said, you know, we don't want to get too deep into this. We want to uh wow, there's new guild mages? Oh my god, there's so many things that are oh, yeah, previewed. the guild mages came out on people were previewing them on Twitter like uh, a couple hours ago. Oh my god, I haven't seen these. I, I don't want to get too much into this, but this card I was just talking about, because I don't think this card is gonna be hugely impactful, but this card uh, explosion expansion. It's not even that good. It's fine. <laughs> it's like it's it's hybrid blue red, uh, blue red, and it has uh, basically twin cast uh, target instant sorcery with converted mana cost four or less. The other side of it is like a backhanded Sphinxus revelation kind of. It's like blue blue red red X uh, instant speed X damage to target target and you draw X cards. Um, that's really expensive. I mean, like in a control deck. Now there's no way that. There's no way that what's it called in, in modern would play that card, right? Like a Jeskai deck in modern would play that card? I think double red is maybe kind of tough. I think it's probably like people aren't really even playing a lot of Sphinx's Revelation, and I think it's generally worse. I mean, I'm imagining this card in that deck. It sits in your hand, so you're like, okay, end of turn on one of the turns. It turns into a Snapcaster Mage for your Lightning Bolt if I you want it to be. Maybe taking like the pull for tomorrow spot in like a. A blue moon deck, right? Or like where or, you're, you don't have access to Sphinx's Revelation, and so right now you're playing something like Pull from Tomorrow. But this like is a little bit more value. I just I don't know that the damage is as relevant as like like game. six mana to like do I don't, or like okay five mana to like kill a dark confidant and draw a card seems awful. Yeah, uh, and like <laughs> and like what's like a three toughness creature, a four toughness creature that you would like really want? okay like this against humans. You're playing like seven mana to kill a mantis rider, or like eight mana to kill a mantis rider and draw three or four cards. Like 
fine, I guess, but that seems like bad. If you have eight mana against humans and you can just like tap out and you're kill yeah. one creature and you're not dead, then you're gonna win anyway. anyway you yeah. could have tapped out for anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Because I think the cards. So so let's talk a little bit about the mechanics and some of the cards that, have, that stuck out to you. Actually, one more is a card just for fun, just because I think this card's sweet. Ionize. I like Ionize. It's oh, not that, that powerful. It's a common. Or counter target spell. It's no, controller it's right. takes two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's blue, red, one, counter target spell, two damage, that spell's controller. Uh, this card will see play in standard, I'm pretty sure, I would imagine. It, it is interesting that it's a, it's a hard counter target spell that... For that, single blue. For single blue, yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought so too. Pushed a little bit. Um, similar cards, right? Like, uh, obviously, counter... Uh, not counter. What's... Counter Squall. Counter Squall has similar applications, right? Blue, black, but it's non-creature. Right. Um, you know, so there's there are cards that kind of feel like this Undermine is an old card that kind of has similar similar feelings to it. But the yeah. fact that this is only single blue definitely makes a big difference for the, for the decks that would be able to splash it. Yeah, I mean, a th- a th- I, I don't know who's interested in playing a three-mana counter that does damage to them because, like, if you're a deck that's playing three-mana counter spells, you're probably not killing them quickly, so the damage isn't going to be super relevant. But if there is a deck that wants to play this, I I want to see that deck. I think it would be awesome. <laughs> should we should we talk about the incredibly mana-greedy new Niv-Mizzet for a second? This sure. card won't see any modern play, but... Uh, red, 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 blue, blue, blue for well, a five, five. Attitude like that, it won't. Yeah. <laughs> red, 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 blue, blue, blue for a five, five. Flying can't be countered. Well, whenever you draw a card, uh, Nivmizit deals one damage to any target. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, you may draw a card. Uh, no, you draw a card. Um, I love Nivmizit. Nivmizit's one of my favorite characters in modern history. Is it surprising that I've now talked about three? Is it cards in a row? Um, one of my favorite cards of all time is the original Nivmizit. This being a 5-5 five, five versus a 4-4, four, four, that's significant. I think this is better than the original Niv Mizzet. You think so? Because you draw off of their spells? Well, so like you get, a, you get plus one power, plus one toughness, and you lose the ability to tap to draw a card, but you gain the ability to draw whenever somebody casts an instant or sorcery. So now you get to attack with this Niv Mizzet. You're not tapping it to draw a card, and you still get to draw cards off of it. Like... And in a deck where you're playing this, your cards are probably drawing you more spells, right? Where you're like, play this card, somehow get to untap with it, right? You play Serum Visions. So now you draw an extra card. Then you draw a card off the Serum Visions. You've got two more cards. If there's not an instant or sorcery in there, I mean, what kind of deck are you playing, right? So now you probably have a Lightning Bolt, which draws another card. And then that card that you drew is an Opt or something. You know, you get to like kind of go off and you get to deal a ton of damage with him because he has that ability that the original Nim it had. How long in a game of Commander does this card sit on the battlefield after you play it before it gets killed? As short an amount of time as possible. In Commander, you see people play this with, like, Curiosity or yeah. Ophidian Eye, where whenever it deals damage to a player, you draw a card. So you'll put Curiosity on your Niv-Mizzet, and then you'll draw a card somehow, attack a player, hit them, play Opt, whatever. And then you draw a card, deal one damage to them, which draws you another card because of Curiosity, deal one damage to them, draw another card, and then eventually you just find a way to, like, discard an Eldrazi to shuffle your deck, and you just kill everyone. Because it goes infinite. Because it goes, it goes infinite, but it's only as many cards as are in your deck. Because once you draw your whole deck, if you try and draw another card, you lose. So you have to have like a careful study or something to discard Emrakul, or you can't play Emrakul in Commander, but discard Kozilek and shuffle. And well, but how do you get all the cards in your hand? Oh, you have to discard them all at the end of turn, and then no, you discard them all to. Oh well, I don't know. You would have to like shut because, but it's a mage. It's a mage draw card ability. On those, I guess you have to have a way to discard a card. Colon, do something. Yeah, I know all about Ophidian Eye and uh, Niv Mizzet. It was the first deck I ever played in a competitive tournament. Do you know that? I didn't know that. In oh. standard? 
this is you don't know the story. I've told this story before on the show, but in case you're a first time listener or watcher, back in Dragonstorm Standard, back in like 2007, it was okay. like my first competitive tournament. I had played Magic my whole life already, but I had never played in like a tournament tournament. And I uh, saw the Dragonstorm list, and I was like, "This is sweet," but I want to do my own thing. So, uh, classic Ben, classic. So, <laughs> so I uh, they printed the, you know Future Sight came out, so I put Joyro of the Get Two in my deck and, okay. and Niv Mizzet. And Ophidia and I. And it was just a Dragonstorm shell, except without the without the ramp or the Dragonstorms, but all the other cards were the same. All the cantrips, the remands, right? Like and I basically the plan was to suspend Niv Mizzet off of Joyra, and then when it hit the battlefield, flash in Ophidia and I. And tap, it has haste, you can yeah, tap it right away. And win. Nice. <laughs> that was the plan. Uh, and like I, I remember I played it in like my first ever regionals or something. And I do you remember John Laux? He used to write for TCG player. He was Sounds one of the familiar, great yeah. designer search guys. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, back when it was Brain Burst, he wrote for him. And uh, I played against Laux in like round two or three of, of the tournament, and he uh, wrote about it in an article. And he was like, I played against Ben Bateman. He's like, blah, blah, blah. And this is oh actually, um, I wasn't even Ben Bateman. I won't even tell that story. But this is uh, <laughs> this is 2007. Um, but anyway, he wrote about he wrote about it, and he was like, "Turn one, you know, sleight of hand. Turn two, remand." He's like, "Oh, I'm dead. I'm so dead." Like, turn three, Joyra, and he's like, "I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was my earliest earliest experience. But uh, other things that have been announced in the set that uh, we probably won't talk about on the show, the main show. The signets are oh no, the signets aren't back. We have things called lockets, lockets now. Okay, so there are uh, three mana accelerants that are a dual color, and it looks like for uh, quadruple color and tap, quadruple hybrid mana cost of their guild and tap, you can sack them to draw two cards. That's kind of interesting. Good for limited. Good for limited. Probably not modern playable. Um, no. Accelerants no for three mana are always a little problematic, I find. I, I'm such more of a fan of two mana accelerants. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, if nobody's playing Coalition Relic in modern, I don't think we're going to get a better three mana rock than that. I mean, Chromatic Lantern is in this set, and I think oh. it's much worse than Coalition Relic. Yeah, Chromatic Lantern's <laughs> getting reprint. That's exciting. Um, it's better than these, probably, just because of the enormous fixing that it gives you. But. Yeah, so um, any other spoilers without, you know, just fully spoiling the set that we want to get into? We can talk about the fact that there's a card called Hypothesizzle. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, people photoshopping Snoop Dogg's face onto that one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, Electromancer's getting a reprint. You know, the hybrid cards are coming back. Shocks. Shocklands. That's yeah, there, good, right? There's a cool guild card. You saw that guild summit? Uh, I didn't. Yeah, what does that one do? Blue and two for an enchantment. When guild summit enters the battlefield, you uh, may tap any number of untapped gates you control. Uh, draw a card for each gate. Tap this way. Whenever a gate enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Interesting card, right? I mean, it doesn't maze his end. If they hadn't just printed Assassin's Trophy and Field of Ruin a couple sets ago, <laughs> I would say maybe this is the card Maze's End needed. But <laughs> yeah, it does feel pretty hard to make with, Maze's End work. I think it's pretty tough with all the main deck land destruction that you're seeing right now. Yeah, are you an LD guy? Do you like LD? Like, how do you feel about it? Um, I don't know. I, I like that. Like, there's you know, ways to defeat Tron because like having just an unsurmountable amount of mana sometimes is just like really hard for controlling decks, which I like to play to beat. So it's nice to have access to like ghost quarter, a field of ruin or something like that. I think when land destruction becomes too prevalent, you end up in these situations where like utility lands are just 
not very good. Like you can't count on having them in play when everybody is main decking for field of ruin. And then also assassin's trophies in the format. You can't count on keeping a celestial colonnade in play or a raging ravine or a desolate lighthouse. And I think that like being able to play, I think these utility lands are really cool because I like to play slower games of magic. And I like that I can have lands that will give me an advantage over time. And I think that with the critical mass of land destruction that we're seeing right now, a lot of those cards are just like way worse. Like I was playing, um, I put Eternal Command back together to play last week at Modern uh, at my local game store. I think it's Heidi Ho Comics, and I'll uh, I'll probably be playing it again tomorrow. Um, but anyway, I w- I put had like one Raging Ravine because you don't have room for too many tapped lands in the decks because you are like a tempo deck. But I know that like later in the game you can, can kind of stall out. You're like, oh, I don't have a Tarmogoyf in play. How am I actually going to kill them? They're still at 12. Um, and so I wanted to have a Raging Ravine as like a late game kind of, you know, push through the last few damage and then bolt them to death or whatever. Um, and in the in the games that I was playing, every single game where I would have wanted to have a Raging Ravine in play, uh, I just got Field of Ruined. Because I was playing mm. against blue white, where like they're removing all my threats, and I'm like, oh, I need this raging ravine for reach. And then as soon as I play it, I'm like, oh, they have a field of ruin already in play. <laughs> and you're going to be even more boned now in the future. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, I I think that like utility lands just being totally pushed out of the format is a kind of unfortunate consequence of all this land destruction. But I do think that keeping Tron honest is is valuable. Um, so guys, we have just a few more minutes left. A quick shout out before we get into the last bit of the episode here. Uh, that shout out is that we have a YouTube channel. You're probably watching us on YouTube right now. If you're listening to it on the podcast, if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, it would mean the world to us if you would go subscribe to us on YouTube. That's a big push for us as we expand the show. We are going to be getting into multiple new shows. Um, I've been talking about this now, but uh, I'm like this weekend, I'm going to literally get out there and start streaming my brews on Moto. I've been brewing a... Uh, <laughs> Oh, God. This card's so bad. A Magus of the Vineyard deck. I've been talking oh. about this for so long. I've been trying to do this. Do you guys know what you know the card does? I do, yeah. It's a one green, one one, right? Yep. And it, uh, at the beginning of each player's pre-combat main phase, they get green, green. So, for the longest time... <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll save this idea, but <laughs> so <laughs> I'll give it all away on the stream. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be streaming uh, some deck, maybe a Magus of the, the Vineyard at some point that we'll see. Um, but Ben Bateman streaming is my handle on Twitch. So go find that and, and go uh, subscribe, whatever it's called there. Um, I literally think I'll be streaming my first games this weekend. So I'm excited for that. But those live streams and things will be going up on the YouTube channel. So subscribe to the YouTube and check out the Facebook group as well, guys. We have about 5,000 people now in this group. Uh, it's the, the Masters of Modern Facebook group. Great discussion there. Yeah, tons and tons and there's always there's a link for different groups where you can find decks to play um and so that's the that's that's that shout out but uh one more subject here to talk about before we get out of here and that is that i believe ravnica as a whole the concept of a ravnica set has always had a pretty big impact on modern when modern started obviously the shocks were a huge part of it so you know that was a big deal some of ravnica's staple cards like remand uh, had been important pieces of that initial format. Deathrite Shaman. Yes, Deathrite Shaman. And so the second Ravnica definitely made a major impact as well. You know, you had you had cards like Voice of Resurgence, and you had, you know, obviously the Shocks coming back, and you had Deathrite yeah, Shaman. Abrupt Decay. Decay. Sphinx's Revelation, Supreme Verdict. Multicolor cards are, are really good for modern. They, they're exciting. People love multicolor sets. And there's something about the Ravnica guilds and sort of the way that they feel that is... I think what it is is it's a perfect combination of power and utility and things don't feel like they're as slanted towards uh, story or flavor in a way that's different from like I guess what, it, what, it, what I feel like is is it is the truest version like, like Ravnica is it is the truest version of is it 
other blue red cards in different sets. Like you didn't like like blue red pirates in Ixalan, like for it's example. Fine, it's just it's fine. It's just like spells counterburn that feels like what is it is like green white being all about like you know tokens and plus one plus one counters like very like yeah, pound I, for pound I think the guild identities very well sum up what people like about that color combination exactly most of the time. and so i think the cards that get printed in those sets ha- tend to make a pretty big impact um yeah and they're not kind of like stretching the mechanics of the color combination to fit a certain flavor they just started at what do people like about blue red that's the guild exactly. what do people like about green white that's the guild what do people like about black green you know totally. etc so yeah so i think that that's that's a big deal and so i i feel like ravnica always makes a pretty major major impact i think for a future episode i would almost would like to do the top 10 ravnica cards um i think that'd be kind of a fun thing to do all the different ravnica sets Top 10 modern Ravnica cards. Because there's enough now. I think, I mean, just offhand, a top 10 would be pretty stacked, right? Oh, yeah. For and, sure. And after you guys have seen our preview card, which played at the top of the episode, but on the live stream right now, you have not yet seen because we're doing this as a time travel thing. Maybe it'll make it. I don't know. It's in, I think it's worth discussing, at least. It's our an card, honorable mention at worst. Our card, uh, we mentioned this in the preview. Um, I'm hoping it's part of a cycle. Yeah. I hope so. We haven't seen evidence of that yet. But yeah. Yeah, it would be it would be an awesome cycle. It would be a really cool cycle. So um, I'm very excited about this, guys. If you're watching this, if you watch this, this live stream, whatever, uh, tweet at us. You can let us know your thoughts on the most powerful cards in Ravnica's history. Is that an episode you would want to see? Um, Michael, you have a social media presence now. People actually follow you, right? Yeah, uh, Alex. Alex kept tagging me on Twitter until uh, people <laughs> actually started following me. Uh, so. It's uh, at Dudard, D-U-D-A-R-D-D. Had to add the extra D because I... You just wanted it was to be taken with spicy. only one D, yeah. Okay. Um, so, so that's me on Twitter. Uh, I've been. I don't tweet about much, but if you wanna, you know, ask me questions about my opinions on modern stuff based on the episode or whatever, I'll be there. I'm also on the Masters of Modern Facebook group. Um, most of what I've been tweeting about lately is Battle Bosses, which is uh, our game that Alex and I designed. It's funded. Um, it's funded. I looked yeah, this morning. Yeah, we funded on Kickstarter. We hit it. <laughs> so our Kickstarter is ending noon on Friday. So, uh, you know, we have like 48 hours left in the Kickstarter. Uh, and you, if you're watching this on the live stream, go check it out, uh, battlebosses.com. You'll find a link to our Kickstarter there. Um, or if you're watching this on YouTube tomorrow, you'll have a few hours as long as you get on it quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exciting. There's stretch goals there as well, so go check that out. Uh, very, very exciting stuff that the uh, we're very thankful as a company to have seen Battle Bosses fund. Uh, yeah, we, and the Masters of Modern crowd was definitely a big part huge, of getting it funded and getting the word out about the game. And it, you know, big thank you to all you guys because you guys definitely helped make Battle Bosses happen. And I think it would have been way harder to get funded without having you know the Masters of Modern audience being so passionate about what Alex is what Alex, you know, is creating and what I'm creating as well. Although people yeah. are really passionate about Alex, I'm guessing, and not me since I'm new to the show. We're <laughs> passionate about you too, Michael. Yeah. I mean, come on. You played in a beta draft and you play Eternal Command. What's more to ask? You yeah. Know? Well. yeah. Sick. <laughs> Um, all right, guys, that's going to wrap us up. So uh, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we already did all the plugs and shout outs. Subscribe, 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 please. It's the most important thing. Uh, we'll be back same time, same place next week, probably with a full set review because I think by next week the set will have already been spoiled fully, I'm guessing. And uh, I hope you enjoyed our spoiler card. Tweet at us. Let us know your thoughts. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys.
Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.